Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of Lockdown Lowdown. We're back after a, a bit of time off uh, and I'll explain in a second why. Back with uh, Jugsy and Chelsea. Back talking about Aston Villa, talking about our recent run of results. We've been away for, I think, three games now. Uh, we haven't had a chance to do a, do a review pod or any pod really. Um, and it's not been a fantastic week. Um, so... Uh, it'd be interesting to hear what the the guys' thoughts are on on the uh, the games that have happened and and where we go from now. Um, various reasons why we haven't been on. So apologies. Uh, first, firstly, for the Man United game, it was a mixture of work commitments and Chadzi's high tech laptop equipment being in the uh, in the shop for repair. And then uh, for the Everton and Palace game, well, no, back for the Palace game for the Everton game. Uh, it was because, uh, well, me, I'm. We're expecting our third child, and uh, we had to go hospital. It was false alarm, uh, so we were there for a few days, but all's fine now. But yeah, didn't get a chance to uh, to record the pod, unfortunately. So it might might be a bit of a longer one this time round. We'll try and focus more on the Palace game if we can, and, and just touch on the Man United and Everton games a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let's see what the mood's like. Uh, as, as always, let's go to Chadzi first. Um, let's let's start with the Palace game. How, how are you feeling after that capitulation in the in the second half, Chads? Uh, not as emotional as everyone else, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know. I just sort of wasn't really that surprised or bothered, to be honest. Um, and I find it strange saying that, but I, I just want to get back to Villa Park on Sunday. We'll probably get onto that. We're lucky enough to have tickets. And just show my appreciation for what's been a good season. I think... Yeah, we were poor in the second half. We've had a we've had a bad spell, and it's a bit of a recurring theme that um, second half capitulations. You know, the Man United we weren't as great after the break against Everton, and again against Crystal Palace. They're not a great side. There's loads of stats about the fact they've not come from behind or two goals from behind, and loads of reasons why it's pretty easy to get down about it. But um, yeah, it was poor. We we couldn't hold the ball. Um, we we dropped too deep. I was hoping when Jack came on, he was going to help us get up the pitch higher and quicker on the break and offer something on the break. But we didn't seem to be as, as clinical or as proactive on the break to go and close the game out. I think there were some really encouraging performances in the first half. I thought McGinn was excellent, but then dropped off a bit. I thought Watkins' movement again was too much for too much for the Palace defence to to um, handle. And there were some good good performances, I thought, from from Concer as well. Um, and Elmo, I thought, had a good day. But, yeah, it's, it, it's, it is a recurring theme. We, we just don't seem to be able to put 90 minutes together um, at the moment. But the, the season's pretty much over, isn't it? Now we've got two pretty meaningless games and... It's still, for me, just a really exciting time ahead, a really exciting summer with lots of improvements to make. Um, but lots, so much potential in this squad, this club, this management, the youth coming through. It, for me, it's a really exciting time and a poor 45 minutes doesn't really doesn't really bother me too much. Jugs, uh, Chadzi is always pos- positive as ever, uh, which is not surprising and something I think that the fan base does need. Uh, a bit of context and a perspective at times, but what what are your thoughts on on the game, but also the, sort of the second half of the season? Um, if you if you look at the stats, 
you know, we have dropped 19 points from winning positions this season. Uh, and it's all come from all this year, basically, since the turn of the year. We hadn't dropped any points. I think maybe one point uh, before the turn of the year. What what's happened to us? You know, is this uh, you know, Chazzy there mentions you're not going to worry about a bad 45 minutes, but are you worried about the bad second half of the season, the bad sort of last 18 games or whatever it's been? What are your thoughts? Yeah, our season's fizzled out, and it was a concern when we had the games in January uh, against Brighton and Southampton. We were, well, I was alarmed, and I think a few of the fans were alarmed, and we were told stay positive, back Smith, and back the players, hoping they'd turn it around, and. There's been an odd good 45 minutes here and there and the odd good performance, but overall it's been pretty poor. And look, a lot of that is because obviously Jack's been missing, but we shouldn't really be a one-man team. And I keep going back to this point that I expect more from from the players and, and more from our performances. And as you mentioned, the stats don't look great for the second half of the season. In terms of the form table, I think we're like something like 18th or 17th or something, which isn't, which isn't great um, also. So yeah, I mean, look... It's positive in terms of we can put the season behind us. Uh, we probably have overachieved in terms of our initial expectations this season. But considering our form in the first half and how we've dropped off, um, there's a few issues that need to be addressed. And I think Smith, um, has been it's been a big learning curve for him. And I think the Palace game will uh, epitomise that for me, where... In that second half, obviously Roy Hodgson made a good good change for Palace where they pressed us higher up the pitch and we found it difficult to play out, play out from the back or retain the ball in midfield. And it's what every team has been doing against us in the last few months and it's worked well for them. And we've struggled really to cope with that. And our counter-attack play probably hasn't worked too well um, as well. So it's a couple of areas for concern with Smith where we just need to develop and, and adapt how we play sometimes. And I think in-game management is, is the biggest concern for me. I'm not a, a Smith hater. Or I don't want him out of the club um, for sure. Um, but I think it's an area that we need to look at and address. Like he needs to see the, the trend in a game and, and see the player struggling or uh, he needs to be able to impact our performance somehow, whether that's a formation change or a substitution. It needs to happen. Happy, sorry, it needs to happen earlier on. I think Smith's not reactive enough, and I think Palace second half uh, was the perfect example where we were two one up, and they were, yeah, they were pretty in control of the game and obviously creating some chances, and we just looked a bit void of ideas going forward, and we, we looked a bit suspect. I think defensively, I think we missed Mings, Mings's organisation, and I thought it was a good time for Smith to make a change. Um, to, to obviously um, change things up, but he sort of kept Ramsey on, who I thought was struggling um, to have any influence on the game. And I think he was relying on Grealish coming on, maybe getting us a third goal or, or making a big difference, but he's coming back from injury. And I thought once they went back, uh, so once when Palace came in and, and scored and went, it went to 2-2, we still didn't make a change early enough and they got the, the winning goal in the end. And the changes we did make, yeah, it didn't really have much impact. I think we went too direct and two strikers up front and it just didn't work. And I thought, yeah, it was really disappointing because that first half was really excellent. It's probably the best sort of 45 minutes we've put together in, the, in a few months, I would say, because we were um, on our game. I thought in midfield, McGinn and Louise were excellent. Um, Louise was switching the play um, and McGinn was just, yeah, the all-round package in midfield. And we looked dangerous with Watkins running in behind. And yeah, I thought we, we looked really good as a side. Um, but that second half was really disappointing and just sums up our second half of the season. 
Yeah, yeah, it really does. And I think McGinn epitomised that as well. You mentioned him. I thought he was fantastic that first half and then complete opposite that second half. Uh, plenty of loose balls, plenty of uh, trying to do one-touch passes that didn't go anywhere. And it was a bit of a shock, really, because, you know, we were talking at halftime, weren't we, on, on the group and how good Villa were and how good this team can be. And, and we saw the signs of that the first half and then we saw exactly how bad this team can be at the same time as well and how much work needs to be done. Chadzi, Jugsy mentioned there uh, about the counter-press and, and, and how well that Palace employed that and how well that worked against us, but also how other teams have done, done that against us. I think West Ham earlier part of this year did that really well that was probably one of the first times that the team had done that against us and apart from Leeds we really struggled to keep the ball and do you think do you think that's an area that we need to improve on next season have players who can keep the ball under pressure and and also how how big a do you think uh, a miss Mings was in that instance as well who's obviously one of our best distributors of the ball from the back yeah I think keeping the ball is something that'll be probably the biggest priority for Smith and the recruitment team this summer, they do need to bring in one or two midfielders that can manipulate play, are happy to drop off, come a bit deeper, enjoy having the ball at their feet, can take a few more touches. And I think we've talked about it in in the past, but some of our passing as well, sort of, you know, just that extra detail to get that pass in front of the man so he can run onto it or our touch to t- takes it away from the approaching defender. And, and some of the smaller detail is, is a bit frustrating because, you know, there's there's players like McGinn and Louise in there who, like you say, for half a game, they do look technically proficient. They do look like they know exactly how to manoeuvre the ball and manoeuvre their body to, to keep hold of it and do pick a pass. But we just can't seem to do it for, for 90 minutes at the moment. So, but, you know, Dougie Louise is a young player John McGinn's now in played two seasons in the Premier League and I, I think they're still developing I think they're still improving I think there's players in this squad that the coaching staff have proven that they can improve on the day-to-day on, the, on at Bodymore Heath you know Target players like that Mings concert how much they've developed under the coaching team so I do I don't always think it's the right thing just to keep throwing the keep throwing the players to the side and hoping to get some more in. I think we've got to trust that the the rate at which some of these players have improved another preseason under their belt, they will go again and they will learn from their mistakes and they will get better. But yeah, midfield's an area we need to address. We definitely missed Mings. I do like Courtney Hawes and I do think he played all right and he, he's, he's a presence on set pieces. He wins his aerial battles. He's quite physical, but He's not that great on the ball, is he? And he's a perfect example of some of his passing did put his teammates under pressure. He put his fullbacks under pressure a bit. Some of his passes back to Martinez weren't bob on and some of his passing into midfield was pretty average. So, yeah, we all know we need to recruit. We all know that we need to add some quality to his squad, mainly in midfield. Um, but I'm also confident that these players that have shown a dramatic improvement in the last 12 months can go again and improve just as dramatically over the next 12 months. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's about confidence as well. And it's not just the mid midfield. I think you need to retain the ball as a team. And um, obviously earlier this season when Jack was playing, we had someone at wide who was able to dribble the ball, um, you know what I mean, calm things down uh, and like play it back when, when, when needed. But I think with the current wingers, and I'm a fan of El Ghazi, uh, especially, but I think they're weak on the ball, especially Traore and Al Ghazi. I think um, they, they find it difficult to retain the ball. 
Um, so, mate, you got you, obviously. I think you got two types of wingers in the league. You got sort of your output wingers, like we've got Algarzi and Torre. They've got great stats. I mean, Algarzi's got nine goals. Obviously, Torre's chipped in with goals and assists. But sometimes you just need a bit more from the wingers, or you need a combination of where one winger's, do you know, what I mean, going to have that end product, but another winger is able to influence the game in terms of getting the ball up the pitch. Do you know, what I mean, attracting players? Uh, dribbling or retain the ball or just picking up clever positions. So I think it's, it's an area where Smith probably realised that Grealish offers so much more, not just obviously his end product, but what he does in terms of keep how we while we keep possession, how he brings other, other players into the game. So it's, it's one of those where there's areas for improvement. And I think we, we need to realise um, the likes of Courtney, Courtney House and John McGinn, you know, I mean, they're two and a half million, two million pound signing. So for the level of performances that they're putting in, um, you just got to realise how much investment we've put into them. So it's all about new recruitment and new players. It's making sure we get the right players that can take us a step forward. Um, so it'd be an interesting summer summer window and we need players that can suit the league and, and fit the system. And Smith and the recruitment team need to be clear with that. I think um, Sanson um, is one player where they've obviously looked to um, address that issue in, in the centre of midfield where we need someone a bit more tactically astute. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he gets on next season. Is he that player that will help us retain the ball? Is he? Is, it's been hard for us to judge him because obviously he's been in and out the side and he's really had sort of cameo appearances. So it'd be an interesting one, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive summer, isn't it? It's a massive, massive summer. We all know that. And, you know, there's a lot of talk around how much money we've spent, etc. But we, we've had to basically build a new squad and we're still building. Um, Jugsy there mentioned about the wingers there, Chads, and it's a, it's a bit of a predicament. You know, most most teams don't have wingers who have the output that we that our wingers do. At the same time, do you think it's um, it's costing us a little bit in terms of their general overall play and their ability to keep hold of the ball in terms of how we got on during games? You know, obviously our guys have scored, uh, but we've lost the game. Truro scored in games, we've lost games. The Man United game is an example but their overall play hasn't been up to standard and it's probably cost us in terms of keeping the ball and, and also things like tracking back and things like that as well. I mean, where do you sit in that? You know, Do you think we need better, just better football players or do you, do you think we we should give them a chance to adapt and develop? Where, where do you sit in that sort of argument? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I suppose it depends what your ambitions are. You know, if you want to finish in the top six, I don't think Traore and El Ghazi starting every week as your two starting wingers or potentially rotating with Jack and if he's going to play more centrally or I don't think we can rely on Jack for 38 games a season. If he stays, to be honest, I think he's going to have issues for the rest of his career, sadly, and that's just a bit of a hunch that um, I've got. But yeah, I like both Traore and El Ghazi. They've both got good end products, I think. They're, their stats stack up. Traore is a very unique, silky player. He's great to watch. And some of the things he does on a football pitch are just phenomenal. And I think a lot of what he does actually goes quite unnoticed and unrecognised in terms of how skillful and how much quality he's got. Al Ghazi is a great story, how he's bounced back from some adversity. And he's got 10 goals for Villa this season now, which is a phenomenal return, even if some of them are penalties. But... Yeah, you need some more depth there. I think I'd I'd like to see both of them stay at Villa, but but we bring two new wingers in and, and compete and have a have a rotation policy or or two that push them and drive standards because any in any sport at any level the only way standards are improved and, and and driven to 
to higher levels is by competition. You know, at the moment, there's not a huge amount of competition in those wide areas. And with Jack being injured, those two are pretty much guaranteed to be playing every week. But I'll, I absolutely guarantee you now that if we sign two new wingers, Traore's and Algarzi's levels would go through the roof. It's just human nature. So, um, yeah, I think, I think a bit both. I like them. I think we should stick with them. If they start every week, we're not going to finish in the top six. They've got their flaws. But I think some some added depth in those areas will bring the best out of them and will give us more options. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, to have those types of players in the squad as rotation options is is, is massive. It's just the, I think the, the issue is obviously that they're playing game in, game out for us at the moment. And Troy is obviously still... It's his first proper season in the Premier League, isn't it? Really, regardless of what he's done with Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's not bad. It's not bad for a season. I know. I know. Jugsy's um, had his issues with Torre, and I think other people have had his issues with Torre in terms of his general overall playing. You know, he's he's a big guy, isn't he? And he gets shaken off the ball too easily, and the things he can definitely work on. But we've got a coaching staff there that improve players. That's that's been proven. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be I'm really excited to see what kind of what kind of performance levels these players like Toro will be putting in next season after they've had more time with the coaching staff and continue to develop but you know we know there's areas to develop we know there's 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 positions in our team that need to develop um and and Dean Smith do you think still the man man for that chance you know there was a lot of uh talk about Dean Smith on, on the weekend and it always whenever we lose a game you know you, you, the sort of those those Dean Smith out people come out all the time you know they've probably been Dean Smith out for a long time um, I, I mean, I know where I sit. I'm I'm a bit flabbergasted, to be honest, with the with the Dean Smith out comments. But at the same time, you know, I do understand people's frustrations and concerns that you know it hasn't been good enough these last however many games, and and you'd expect better from the manager in certain situations. And he has, you know, he's he needs to improve as well as well as the players. But but where do you sit in in, in that sort of argument? I mean, I know I probably know where you're going to sit, but it'd be good to hear your your thoughts on it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a massive fan of Dean Smith, but that's not because he's a Villa fan. It's because he develops players. Um, he has improved the club year on year since he joined. He's a man of integrity. I think he's a good man manager. He's got the best out of our captain. He's improved our captain. Um, and, you know, like I said, we have improved year on year since he's joined. We... Probably, I laughed at you at the start of the season when you said we were going to finish, we could finish in the top 10 because it was so far away from where we were last season that it didn't seem possible. And it, I might be proven right there, we're probably going to finish 11th by the looks of it. But the fact that we are challenging for that top half and the fact that we did have a push to, at some point, to think we might have a European push for the European places, for me, shows what a phenomenal job he, that he's done overall in the context of a 38-game season, he is not the finished article. He is not the perfect manager. He is not, he is not flawless. He, he, he does need to improve some of the areas drugs he mentioned earlier. You know, there are better managers out there, probably Pep and, Pep and Klopp being two of them. But for me, what I get out of supporting a football club and having, having uh, belief and affinity with the overall project, the overall people that are involved in it, and uh, the value that I get in seeing year-on-year improvement from a, a team, a coaching staff, a club that you can fully get behind far outweighs um, the added value I might get if we finish one or two places higher with Rafa Benitez um, or somebody of that ilk. So for me, we just have to stick with him. 
you know, if in November, December time, we're still struggling, this patch of form from the end of this season carries on to next season, we're lying in 15th place, we've spent a load more money and we haven't kicked on, then yeah, it's a very reasonable position to start questioning the manager and talking about, is he the right man to take us to the next step? But every time that question has been asked, he's proven he is, he's proven he's taken us to the next level. So if ever in our history, there's been somebody that's at least deserved the opportunity to go again and be given the opportunity to prove himself that he can take us to the next level, it's Dean Smith. I just cannot see an argument against it. And it drives me mad that everybody wants everything now and it's just not possible, basically. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I, where I sit, I think. Um, I'll, I'll probably be more critical of Dean Smith than, than you have, Chads. Um, but but uh, broadly, that's where I sit. I think it's a balanced view, isn't it? There's de- de- definitely room for improvement. Chugs, are your thoughts on on it all? Yeah, I think very similar to Chadzi. Um Obviously, I've been critical of Smith and it's because I want him to do well. It's not a case of uh, I want him to fail and, and be proven right on anything at all because I think the owners have got a long-term sort of plan with the club and it shows with the investment in the youth uh, and the academy and obviously trying to attract good young players and develop them and they, they see Smith as a manager who can do that with the young players so it, success obviously happens gradually and it's not going to happen overnight especially when it's such a competitive league you've got to only look at Everton as an example and I think that's been something that's given me some realization in the last couple of weeks, where they've spent x x amount of millions of uh, pounds on their squad, and you know, I mean, they're a couple of places higher than us, not really looking close to breaking that top six or seven, really. So it just shows how much investment you've got to put in, and it's a gradual process. And I think you've got to look at Tottenham as well as an example. I mean, they got rid of Poch thinking that they can bring Mourinho in and get some success straight away and it just hasn't happened for them. So changes ne- never sort of work straight away and it's rare that it happens. You need uh, consistency, I think, sometimes at a football club. And um, obviously we've had Harry Kane come out yesterday saying that he wants to leave the club and part of that is not getting the the, the success and maybe is not liked the change of management also. So I think with Jack being around and hopefully being loyal to Villa for another season, I think Smith's an important part of that. For sure. So I think keeping Smith and giving him another season where he gets good good backing. I think this season coming up is the real test for him because he's had two seasons to build a foundation, understand the league. Um, so this season ahead is going to be key for us. And I think investment and and the players that we bring in is key. So how much Smith has a say on, on the players and, and transfers, I'm not too sure of, to be honest. Obviously, we've got Langer involved and Smith must have a say, but I think they have a lot of influence as well. So it'd been an interesting sort of summer period. Um, what, what what do you think? Do you think Smith has the final say on players or do you think it's driven from Langer and, and the recruitment team? I think um, I think Smith has a big say in transfers. Um, you know, he's obviously been involved in scouting as well. You know, he's been out to see players like Trezeguet and Truore and people like that. So he's he's been involved um and obviously they've they've been sort of some some been hit and miss but that's always gonna happen with transfers isn't it you're not gonna get 100 percent success rate it doesn't happen you look at everton you know we were talking about how they've spent uh 20 million pound plus on 19 different players we've spent it on what two or three players and that shows you the the, the sort of differences in the league and how we're trying to play catch-up we'll touch on the everton game in a second as well because uh, i think that's a, that was an interesting one to show where we are in terms of our standings but I think he has to say, but I think it's important that we have a structure in place with Langer, McKenzie and co that 
it's there for the long term. So if the manager ever does change or the coaching team does ever ever does change, we've got a philosophy and a way of building a squad, building a team, a way of playing that's going to be there and be consistent. Uh, and I think that's that's what we're trying to do. So I think Smith does have a big say. It's not like a proper, like a, just like a head coach and that's it. But I, th- I think it's a, probably a, a committee, isn't it? Uh, a transfer committee, I think, uh, is more how it works. And I think that's probably the right way and that's the modern way to do it. Um, you know, because you don't want a situation with what you did with Tim Sherwood, where he was one minute he was saying, "Yeah, he's involved," and then as soon as he's sacked, he's saying, "I'm not involved." You know, and, and, and you know, you saw that last year. And I think going back to Chaz's point about integrity, Dean Smith, Suso got sacked uh, over the summer, and it would have been very easy for Smith to say, "You know, I wasn't involved in the transfers; it was nothing to do with me." But he didn't say that. He said, "I was very much involved. I liked working with Suso. I was a big part of the transfer team, and I had a big say in it." And and that shows you exactly what kind of man Dean Smith is, and also what kind of influence he has on the on the team as well. So let let's move on to uh, a couple of other points I wanted to, to to discuss. We've talked a bit about the Palace game, obviously the Man United and Everton games. I don't I don't propose to talk about the Man United game. We know what happened. Man United got their usual soft penalty. We should have had a penalty, I think, still. Um, and end of day is the usual three one win, regardless of what had happened. Man United are always going to win that game. But I think the Everton game was an important one. I think um, going back to Jux's point around how much Everton have spent, and we've raised this before in the pod, we really are pretty much neck and neck with them now, I feel, in terms of ability, squad capability. You know, Ancelotti is obviously a world-class manager as well. Let's not forget that. He's been in, been there and done it. Dean Smith is still growing into the role. Yeah, I think, you know, we're not... Yes, we're, we might be, what, four or five points behind them, but I think overall, considering we've lost Grealish for a third of the season, you know, there's no reason why we would have finished pretty much where they are at or maybe slightly above them. How how big of a message do you think that is, Chaz, in terms of our progression and how well we've done? And also, just as a side point, do you think the fact that Leeds have done so well in the last few games and I don't know, above us now is another reason why fans are frustrated because they see us as sort of competing with them and, and obviously wanted to finish ahead of them? Yeah, I think two two good points, really. I think just the fact that we're having conversations about whether we're going to finish above Everton or Arsenal or in and around that area of Everton or Arsenal and those types of clubs. Whereas last season we were talking about Brighton, Burnley, Southampton, the teams ended up getting relegated. You know, we, we, we've elevated ourselves to a different tier within this league. We're in a different mini league now and we want to try and finish higher in that mini league next season. Obviously, I don't think we're going to finish in the top four, probably not even top six unless we do do something mental in the summer. So it's just the, the mini leagues in the league, isn't it? And the, the fact we have elevated ourselves to a different area of the league and we're competing in that middle middle section is, yeah, like you say, a great, great sign of our progress, our overall progress, the context of a long, strange season without fans, where we've had dips in form, where we've started off brightly and are finishing up poorly. The context is over a 38 game season, we've significantly improved, and we're talking about being, you know, alongside the likes of Arsenal and Everton. So, yeah, fantastic. I, I do think that, yeah, Leeds is sort of um, res- resurgence in the last few weeks and um, excellent form going into the end of the season, and and the fact that they've gone above us now does sort of alter people's thinking. You know, Villa fans, I know Jugs is one of them, do seem to have this strange rivalry with Leeds just because of a, a moment last season or a couple of seasons ago that nobody actually cares about. I don't think Leeds care about us and I definitely don't care about them. 
I think they're a great team to watch. They're pretty unique. Sheffield, you know, Sheffield United finished was it eighth last year, and they they've gone rele- they're going to get relegated with probably a record points total this year. So these things happen in football, and fair play to Leeds and Bielsa is a world class manager. So I don't I don't think anybody could say Dean Smith's a better manager than Mar- Marcelo Bielsa. Um, and we have spent more money than Leeds, so it's a great story and good luck to them. But um, yeah, I think it's. Uh, definitely skews people's overall perspective and people get too bogged down with really basic black and white comparisons. Whereas, you know, football isn't black and white. There's a lot of gray areas and uh, that's why you can only really step back and judge things over, over a longer period of time and year on year. Jags, are you getting, getting slaughtered there, mate? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, is it a case because of, you know, obviously Leeds have got, we've spent so much money, Leeds obviously got a team that's mainly come out of the championship. Do you think that's that's where the frustration lies? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've got a personal rivalry with them, but I think um, I've said that how good Leeds have been all season, to be honest, and how they're achieving beyond their sort of capabilities and expectations. Um, they've had a host of injuries all season. Um, so they've had key players missing for weeks and weeks, like of Phillips, Rafinha, but regardless of who they put into that team, their system works and Bielsa's tactics are always working. And what what is the biggest sort of plus for me is whether it's the sort of the top four or a mid-table team, Leeds are sort of competing, especially against the top six teams. They beat Man City. I know that I know Man City had like 30 shots, whatever, but they just seem to be, do you know what I mean, grind out results and they're relentless really in terms of how they play, the high energy and their f- tactics. Um, whether that's long term and it'll be working, or whether it be a short term thing like Sheffield United have had, is, is yet to be seen. Really, so I think Chadzi made a really good, valid point there. That you know, I mean, we've seen this before. Sheffield United sort of overachieved, and now look at them this season. So again, yeah, I'm not too, I'm not too bothered about Leeds. I just think that it just shows what Bielsa has done is, is a great achievement, and we, we as Villa fans shouldn't just be content with you know, what I mean our second half of the season just just fading out really we should be trying to push as high as we can and making sure that we are treating each game like it's a must-win game and having high standards that's what I want from the team and that's what I want from Dean Smith I think I think that's fair enough I really do I think um especially the second half of the season it's not it's just not been good enough you know being 17th or 16th or whatever it is in the form table just isn't good enough but yeah I, we know we all know that without Jack Grealish we're a probably lower bottom half team we know that but some of the performances the fact we dropped so many points you know we've got a good back five there and we'll touch on that in a second as well um you know we just we just I think there's definitely games there we could have done better and even before Jack got injured there were games there where we weren't playing well so it wasn't like just sat in suddenly because Jack was um was injured you know we were in poor form just before as well so it's a there is a slight concern there I think in terms of you know is there is that going to be a longer term trend you know which is the right trend which way are we going but at the same time you know there is a nucleus of players there that you can build on the key really will be will be the summer and talking to nucleus of players our back five have been fantastic this season generally and one of the key contributors to that has been Emmy Martinez uh he against Everton nil nil draw. Obviously, it was a game of few chances, but he did did step up when he counted with Calvalu and Tedder and made an, an excellent slave and, and equaled the the clean sheet record uh, with Bradfield. I think it was back in the two thousand and eight two thousand nine season. Maybe I'm trying to remember which one it was now. But fifteen clean sheets this season, Chad's. 
Uh, we're currently, obviously, Villa fans are voting for their player, play, players, player, players, supporters, player of the year, and all that good stuff. How important of a signing do you think he's been, and how good of a signing do you think he's been, and and how important do you think he's going forward for us? Yeah, he's been outstanding. Um, so money so well spent. You know, he's changed the dynamics of that back four. He's instilled confidence in in the centre back partnership, especially. He commands the box like no keeper I've seen at Villa for a long time. He's an, he's an outstanding shot stopper. The, the thing I notice most about him is his anticipation. You know, on free kicks and when players are looking to bend one into the far corner, he's got a pretty unique style in that he's already made two or three steps anticipating the shot and he's, he sort of makes makes some of those saves look easy. He catches them or just stands there and catches them because he's sort of two seconds, two steps ahead of the striker, whereas a lot of goalkeepers will wait for that shot and try and pull off a worldly save. You know, it's, strikers might clock onto it and whip it back into the bottom corner in the future. But he, yeah, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. He's an experienced professional who has added lots of value to the team, I'm sure, not just on the pitch, but in the dressing room, around the place. And um, yeah, for me, he's he's definitely been one of our best players of the season. It's great that he's now equaled that record and I really hope he, he beats it in this, this next couple of games, hopefully at Villa Park maybe on Sunday. Um, but in terms of the conversation for Supporters Player of the Year, I, I personally can't see how anybody can look past Matty Target. I think he gets, you know, he's get, got some good praise on here and, and fans have sort of, realised I think how much of a good season he's had but I think as a left back he's still gone a bit unnoticed your goalkeeper's always in the game he's making saves he's he touches the ball a lot he's on the screen a lot and he has had Martinez has had a phenomenal impact but he has had a few dodgy games you know Burnley away and a couple of others that um, don't come to mind but we have questioned him on a few games this season Southampton etc but I honestly don't think Target's had had one bad game and he's been absolutely phenomenal with and without the ball. His touch, his control, his passing, the way he zips it into midfield, his tackling, he's more physical, he wins headers, he's a leader now. It's just the turnaround in his confidence and his his both his technical and physical ability is like one of the most improved players I've ever seen year on year in a Villa shirt. And I don't think he's had a bad game this season. And that is pretty remarkable in elite sport, in what people say is the best league in the world. He hasn't had an off day. He hasn't had a bad night. And I think it's really disrespectful for people to say he's your seven out of 10 player every week. He's not. He's fucking been eight or nine pretty much every week. I've come away from every game thinking, wow, what an exceptional player he is. So for me, he's he's definitely getting my vote and uh, I can't see how anybody else... <laughs> It's a game of opinions, of course it is, but I just can't see how anybody can give it any to any other player. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel exactly the same way. You know, Mart- Martinez has had, he's had a few dodgy moments still. You know, you're talking about Burnley away. There was obviously Spurs as well. South, uh, Southampton away, uh, Southampton at home, sorry. Um, and obviously he's been, he's been a, a world-class in other games as well, but I think I have to agree, Matt Target, it's been phenomenal. And again, against Palace, against Everton, against Man United, he was probably one of the only players to come out with any credit again. Jugs, your choice for Supporters Player of the Year? Yeah, I'd agree with both of you. Target for me again. And I think what um, sums it up with Target and his sort of personality and character, he knew last season it wasn't good enough 
in certain parts of the season. So he didn't sort of rest on his laurels. He looked at himself in the mirror, thought, what areas can I improve on? And being more aggressive, being better tactically in terms of being better with his positioning defensively. And that's what we've seen in his game because he's always had that ability on the ball and he's always been that sort of calm and composed left back. But what we've seen him defensively, I mean, one-on-one, you back him against any winger in the league and yeah, he's put in back-to-back performances and yeah, he hasn't never let us down. The only player I want to give sort of a big shout out to, um, aside from Martinez, is obviously Watkins. I think for me, what Watkins has brought to the team um, has been has been unreal. And I know he's missed a few chances and he's been unlucky with hitting the post and things, but I've just not seen a strike have that sort of impact since Benteke really, where his all-round game is just, he's the complete striker. He leads from the front. He never gives up. Um and when you've got him in our side, I just feel like he can create a chance by himself just by pressing and just makes us a better team. And without him this season, I think we would have really struggled with a different type of striker. And we've stayed in games because Martinez, I'm sorry, Watkins has pinned back the opposition defence and caused him all sorts of problems. And he's an outlet and he's a goal threat. And I think next season, um, I think he's got more goals in him for sure. So, yeah, really pleased. Yeah, no. I, I, again, Watkins can't can't disagree with that, and we saw that against Everton, didn't we? When he was missing, obviously got sent off against against Man United for uh, a dodgy decision, I think. Still, um, but yeah, we missed him, and we looked completely toothless without him. And he's he's a massive difference, and definitely an area we need to improve on is obviously getting a bit more support uh, players in and around him. We've had Jack do that, but since he's been missing, we've haven't. Had, he's been a bit isolated and had to do a lot of the hard work himself, but. Just before we break off, actually, Chad, your your thoughts on you know a lot of people talking about Watkins moving out wide, maybe having Watkins on the right, Grealish on the left, and then having a new striker. Do you think Watkins works best as a, as a, as our target man, as our striker? Well, he's better as a striker and a target man than he is out wide. Even though he's played the majority of his football out wide, in my opinion, but I don't think we've seen him enough in a two up front to to conclude whether he's a better lone striker or, or playing with someone else. I think at times next season, I would like to see him up there as a two. I know he's had the odd 10, 15 minutes here and there with Keenan Davis and Chuck Wesley on a few times. And Saturday, he went out wide when the, when the two of them were on. But Juggs, he's bang on. He's been exceptional and his movement is just outstanding. Um, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to watching him play live on Sunday because um, a lot of it you don't see on the telly do you? you don't see what he's doing off the ball a lot and I do I, I want to see it in person because that's really when you can judge how good a player is and I'm sure he's going to be even better than we we've got to experience having having been forced to watch on telly <laughs> I spent the whole of that game on Sunday just wondering why on earth we haven't brought Benteke back to the club in the last few seasons at some point I'm sure he's available on the cheap he isn't well, he's available on free, I think, at the end of the season. Yeah, he? mate, he's unplayable on his day. I know they say don't go back. I know people say it will be a backward step, and I'm not saying he's the answer to all our problems, but chucking Benteke on as a plan B is far more effective than chucking on Keenan Davis. He, I, and I'm a yeah. Keenan Davis fan. I really am a Keenan Davis fan. I want him to succeed, I think, as a player in there. Wesley, I like him. I'm not... Uh, uh, anti-Wesley like some people are and I, I really hope he goes on to prove he's a, um excellent player in this league for us but Benteke does a job he's so strong he's so good in the air yeah. he brings other players into mm. play he, he links up well with the likes of Zaha and 
Eze and, you know, we remember what relationship we had with Grealish at the time. So, yeah, let's just get him in and just have him as our fourth striker and uh, enjoy seeing him banging goals again at Villa Park next season. You can have that one for I'm free. I'm with you, mate. Langer. I've always said it. I'm, I'm, always, I'm with you, mate. I think he's available and free, but I, I think we should. I know his wages are high or whatever, but I, I think he would have suit, suit our style as well. And he loves Villa. Well, I don't know if he loves Villa, but we love him, and I think that's a big factor in in it all. But anyway, let, let's let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Sunday uh, quickly. We're gonna we're gonna do obviously a review pod uh, after the Spurs game and preview Chelsea. But obviously, the Villa Talks crew are lucky enough to have been chosen in the ballot. Uh, I, I haven't put it out there because obviously a lot of fans uh, weren't so lucky, and, and a lot of people were gutted. So I didn't want to like rub it in or anything like that. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Um, you, you know, one in one in three chance or whatever it was. How are you feeling about about Sunday, Chads? And then and then Jugsy also. How, how are you guys feeling about being able to go to Villa Park? I know it's only going to be ten thousand people there, but be able to see football again in the live in the flesh and, and sort of back the team. You know, a team that has done so well this season. Let's be honest. Uh, and players we haven't been able to see at all. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I feel pretty privileged, to be honest. I th- you know, I think, um, not taking it for granted, this is a pretty unique situation. I don't think ever again, or fingers crossed, never again in our lives will Villa Park be restricted to a 10,000 capacity. And so this could be, you know, we could be the only 10,000 people that ever witness a restricted capacity Premier League game at Villa Park. And I think it's going to be a very unique day. I think I'm going to be quite emotional, to be honest. Like, you just don't realise how much you miss it. You don't realise how much it means to you. You don't realise what it does for you, what a release it is to get away from general day-to-day troubles and strife of, of life. And I think that, um, it's, yeah, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And this last 12, 14 months has been has been miserable for the whole world. And, it, you know, it's starting to come back to a bit of normality now. And I think walking up, towards the whole end and seeing seeing Villa Park in all its glory again and feeling the buzz of fans around the stadium and smelling the smelling the burgers and all the things that come with that match day experience, you know, the, the train over or having a few beers before, all the things that I talked about at the start of the season and we're going to miss so much. I can't wait for it and, you know, I don't really care if we get thrashed 5-0. It's not about that for me on, on Sunday. It's about getting to Villa Park, experiencing it with my mates again and being back where we belong and, yeah, it'd be great to see Villa win. Of course it would, but I'm re- just want to get back, get get there and show our support for the team, show how appreciative we are of an amazing season um, f- from the players and the coaching staff. Um, so re- really can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I agree with Chadzi really. And I think for me, over the last few weeks, I've lost interest in football, not, not necessarily Villa, but other, other games where end of season every game's available which just loses its, its appeal and I think seeing the FA Cup final with the scenes with Leicester and the winning goal and the crowd going mental even though obviously it was a reduced crowd just brought it back to life for me and that's what football's all about that excitement that enjoyment from the fans and fans you know what I mean singing uh, the name of their favourite player or singing the, the sort of um, praise of the management uh, management sorry um, that's what football's all about for me and yeah really excited about Sunday um, it's been a long time coming and yeah I think it's, it's, a, it's a chance for us to show our appreciation for the season um, to the players to Dean Smith and there might be a couple of players that might not be here next season so it's important to sort of bid them farewell the likes of Almo 
Um, I think his contract's up and he's probably not likely to be renewed. So he's been a good servant to Villa. So again, it's just a chance for Villa fans um, and it's a nice way for him to sort of close out his, his career at Villa, I think. So yeah, really excited. And as Chelsea mentioned, I think the result or performance will be irrelevant really. Uh, I think, yeah, just being back in that that environment to Villa Park and it's unfortunate obviously not everyone can go so I feel very privileged and uh, we'll, we'll sing uh, as much as we can for you guys perfect well we'll leave it we'll leave you on that note um, I, I think uh, Sunday's good like Chelsea said going to be a, a special day for, for the fans in, in attendance and and hopefully it G's on the, the team to perform one last time and, and get another three points uh, against a Chelsea team who are going to be obviously very we're going to be desperate for the points so it should be a good game uh, we'll be back <clears throat> before that obviously with this the Spurs game a review pod uh, at some stage this week and we'll probably do a preview pod at the same time so just do it all in one because uh, of the games are coming thick and fast and then obviously after that there's a big big summer ahead and uh, obviously I, I've said it uh, a couple of days ago I'm really looking forward to the summer I'm looking forward to the Euros but I'm looking forward to see what we do in the summer I think for me the season's um, sort of petered away a little bit but it is what it is, but but thanks for joining us. Thanks to the guys again for their excellent insight. Uh, please do subscribe and follow our, our podcast on whatever podcast platform you're on. And if you're on Twitter, follow us. Uh, it's at Villa Podcast, all one word. Uh, and apart from that, thanks again. And up the Villa. Up the Matty Target. Go on, Tigsy. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.